Well, today wasn't supposed to be a horror or not episode. But surprise! <laughs> yeah, we... This is, this is kind of interesting because it's never happened to us where... Okay, so Sorry to Bother You just popped up on Netflix, right? And I was like, oh my god, we should cover, we should cover that. And fun fact, I mean, if you follow us on Instagram, you know this fact now. I posted it in our stories, but this was one of the first movies we ever saw together. We went on a date yes. um, at the Lincoln Square Movie Theater in the summer of 2018 and saw this movie together. And I mean, you know, it was a fantastic choice on both of our parts oh, because yeah. it's just such a fun, surprising, crazy, you know, surreal movie. Um, so we walked out of there with a lot to talk about. So it was honestly <laughs> a really great date choice, unbeknownst to us. Um, so it was just funny because it popped up on Netflix and I was the one who was like, we, we should talk about that. We should cover that. There's so much to talk about with that movie. And then when we were rewatching it last night and just kind of doing some baseline research, it comes up, it's, it does not, it is not labeled as a horror film. Right. And this is the first time in horror babes history that this has happened. (laughs) It's a landmark. Yeah. So this will be a really fun and interesting discussion because we've never come from a place of like, oh yeah, that's definitely a horror film, not even thinking that it's not, and then asking the question of, oh, but is it? And why, yeah. And why. So this will be interesting. So I guess I should actually talk about what we do here. It's been a long time since we've done one of these. Mm -hmm. So... This is Horror or Not. For those of you who are new here, this is not our normal format. This is a sort of secondary show we run on this podcast where we look at the genre at large through the context of a single film Mm -hmm. and try to help build a bigger tent, right? I always say it's not about gatekeeping. It's about understanding the genre more. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely, because this is such a... This is already such an expansive genre, that I think it's fun to expand it even more. And like you said, this is not about gatekeeping at all. This is A, obviously opinion-based. B, this is really just trying to make it actually more inclusive. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if this is your first time, welcome. And this is going to be a fun one. I usually don't have Nicole on as a guest for these. Um, but because we were planning on doing just, just being, a standard format yeah. episode, uh, <laughs> she's my surprise guest for the day. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the film, sorry to bother you. It did come out as Nicole just said in 2018. Um, it is the directorial debut for Boots Riley. If you don't know who Boots Riley is, fucking fix that. Uh, his group has like, a a cool ass name first of all yeah right it's it's up there with bootsy collins yeah i'm i'm just i'm honestly just upset that that's not my name that's a fucking cool name (laughs) boots riley is the lead singer uh lead vocalist for the coop Mm -hmm. which is this awesome collective out of oakland um he actually wrote the album sorry to bother you in 2012 which ended up being the soundtrack for this film Incredible. That's why he called. I mean, he was, it was, yeah, it was a combination of things. Uh, but yeah, and you should always go listen to the Coop's, the Coop's slaps. So yeah, like I said, this was his, uh, he wrote and directed this film. Uh, it's first time doing that. And good Lord, fantastic job. This is not a, re- this is not the like analysis review show, but fuck, if it were, fuck yeah. This is a full on just like, uh, we talk about people who knock it out of the gate on their first attempt, like we just did with Raw. And this dude just fucking killed it. Yeah, when I posted this as our um, teaser on Instagram yesterday, I can't tell you how many people sent a message saying like, oh my God, like this movie, like everyone loved this movie. Yeah. I don't know a single person who did not. 
Yeah, uh, it, it's a it's really good. It's really funny. It's really dark, and it's really fucked up in the twist. <laughs> yeah, you got you got a lot going on there. There's a lot. There's something. There's something for everyone. <laughs> so yeah, our film takes place in an alternate version of Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's present day, but it's not right. Yeah, we're in that. We, they've definitely used that tool of like, of like, their familiar surroundings, but you're not necessarily in. It, it feels a little more um, fantastical. Yeah. Right. So I, uh, I that's actually going to be one of my points later on. <laughs> okay, great. Well, you know, just bringing it full circle. Just here to I love help. It. Yeah. No, no, no. I appreciate it. You're, uh, <laughs> here to help. Anticipating me. So, Nicole. <clears throat> so, Nicole, what I usually do on the show, as you know, is I have the guest kind of decide the pace and tone of what we're going to do today. Some guests want to go through plot. Some guests want to go through, like, more technical aspects of it. Um, what do you think you want to... How do you think you want to go about this? Um, You're in the driver's seat. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I, I hate driving. Um, no, I would, I would love to, um, at least give a little plot synopsis moment. Um, I think this is a pretty, pretty easy plot. And then I would love to, um, kind of discuss the movie as a whole. Sure. All right, let's do that. So just to give everybody an idea, if you haven't seen this movie, you definitely should. It's an, it's a fun watch. It's a romp. Um, it is dark and fucked up in really cool ways. Yeah, I I would I like spoiler alert right now. Turn this episode off if you are one of our listeners who have not who like to just listen to us before you see the movie. Don't do that in this case. Yeah, this is definitely a about, watch it first. I'm all about self promotion, but turn this shit off. Go watch the movie. <laughs> um, seriously, you. It's one of those things that you. It will pay off. You don't want to know what happens before you watch it. Hundred percent. So, with that said, now. It's your own fault if you yep. keep listening and I spoil this for you right now. So yeah, before we jump fully into the plot um, or like our little synopsis, we have Lakeith Stanfield as our uh, protagonist, Cash, uh, Cassius Cash Green, uh, with David Cross as his white voice. I should say the premise of the film, he's a telemarketer who's a black man and learns how to use his white voice. Uh, the voice you use when you just don't have a care in the world. Uh, it's a common thing that we all know. It's code switching, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tessa Thompson as his partner, Detroit, uh, with Lily James as her white voice. Jermaine Fowler as his best friend, Sal. Omari Hardwick as uh, Mr. Blank. We never actually hear his last name. It's bleeped the entire way through the movie. Um, and it's Patton Oswalt plays his white voice. Terry Crews as Sergio Green, or Serge, uh, Cash's uncle. Danny Glover as his co-worker Langston, uh, with Ryan Corsi as his white voice. The amazing Steven Yun as Squeeze, another co-worker. Army Hammer as the kind of um, Jack Dorsey of Twitter slash Jeff Bezos of Amazon. Like, he's a tech bro. Billionaire piece of shit. Uh, Steve Lift. Uh, Kate Berlant. I love her so much. Mm-hmm. For, uh, we saw her in Search Party. Broad, she's been in everything. Great, yeah. great LA-based comedian. Um, as Diana Debo-Sherry. That looks like debauchery. It isn't. <laughs> uh, and then a couple of cameos. We have Forrest Whitaker as Demarius and Rosario Dawson as the voice in the Power, call, power Caller Elevator. Hmm. So yeah, that's our cast, just to give you an idea of who's go, who's in here, what's going on, right? Yeah. Help paint the uh, visual photo, or photo, picture. So then moving on to a little plot synopsis moment. Again, 
turn this off if you haven't seen the movie or don't come for me. So we have Cassius Green, just like Topher was saying, um, played by Lakeith. And he has just gotten a job as a telemarketer. He lives in his uncle's house, basically in a garage. Yeah. Um, in his uncle's garage that's been converted into a bedroom. And he desperately needs a job. Like he's faking, he's 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 faking these awards and fa- has faked his entire resume, <laughs> but still gets the job because pulls they, out to an employee of the month and a giant statue that he's had made. <laughs> um. So, so yeah, and the guy's like, look if you can read i'll hire you for this job like it's fine um so he gets the job and he he gets a job along with his his uh friend sal and this is where he meets this older gentleman who tells him like like hey here's how you'll really sell here and like Mm -hmm. um do well is use your white voice and they have a whole conversation about that and then cassius starts using his white voice to make the sales and it works he's amazing at it he's amazing at it he's he's racking it up they're saying there's this whole um undercurrent of oh power caller like this this whole um phrase is being tossed around of like you can make it to the top power caller like you will get a salary like you make so much money you can buy like you know nice cars a house like all this shit um where the people on the floor of the telemarketing um place um they only make commission that's it yeah no that, no wage just no wage commission. just no commission. benefits yeah so what ha- what happens when that when, when that's the situation is workers get upset they're angry so they're wanting to get actually paid so they're planning on a strike mm-hmm. or yeah know, they, they want to unionize and they or they organize a strike in order to win uh union recognition Thank you for that wording <laughs> that I could not find. And what, your leftist boyfriend couldn't figure <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, so they're all organizing this. But meanwhile, Cassius is really moving up in the ranks. He, he um, gets, after they go on this strike in the middle of the workday, he gets um, promoted yep. to power caller and they're like they're like you've got a lot to learn you'll be here very late meanwhile um uh cassius his his girlfriend uh played by tessa thompson mm-hmm. um detroit because her parents wanted her an american name hilarious um she's your very typical like she's the definition of struggle for your art type type girl right. she is anti-capitalist like all of these things that um that cash turns opposite of and so she's spinning her sign she's one of those sign spinner i don't know what you would call that sign spinner is that really that's the official official title yes um and you know he he's like an hour late picking her up because he's learning all this shit and then so the next day he goes to be um the power caller and one thing leads to another there there is all of this um separation between cash and his friends and everyone down on the floor he they're all striking outside of the building every single day and he has to get escorted by like major security detail just to get in the building um a can gets thrown at him (laughs) and hits him in the head and becomes a viral video have a coke and smile bitch yeah um becomes a viral video and then um and then uh cash is invited to this party by everyone um who's you know up in the higher ranks with him and um goes and meets with uh this guy who's played by played by army hammer like you were saying Mm -hmm. um the jeff bezos type and 
um, he goes to this crazy mansion where he's having this party. There are a lot of like hot people, all this stuff going on, a lot of drugs, a lot of just, you know, a lot of stuff going on. And there's an orgy. There's an orgy. Yeah. Like just, you know, lots of, lots of, um, rich people shit going on. And Cash gets pulled into a room with, with him, with Army, and he's like, he's about to propose, um, they're just kind of talking. He he snorts what he believes to be coke, and um, they start talking about like business deals and all of this stuff. And then Cash is like, "Man, I really gotta piss. Like, I gotta go so bad. I really need to go." And he's like, "Fine, go into the the uh, down the hall to the Jade door, like whatever." Um, he opens the quote unquote olive door, not the Jade <laughs> that door. It's clearly an olive door. Hilarious. It's so funny because all the doors in that hallway look the exact same. They do, to me. they do. Well, no, and like, okay, good because I was. No, they like, do to me too. They're okay. not. It's not a colorblind thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, they 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 look exactly the same. Okay, cool. Um, I was like, oh, is this a joke that I don't get? <laughs> no, I mean, I I wasn't looking that closely, but it's not obvious. Her. Um, and so so he goes into this door. So it's obviously it's the wrong door. Um, he like walks down. It looks like, it honestly looks like a lot of cages. It looks like a chicken coop to me. It's gross. Um, Yeah. When he's like walking through this, like dimly lit, it looks very different from the rest of the mansion. It looks like, you Mm -hmm. know, your, your, um, creepy basement. And, um, and he, he sees the bathroom stall kind of like at the end of this hallway. And he's like, um, he's like, uh, hey man, are you coming in or out? I, I really, I I really gotta go. And the guy is like, help me, help me. He's crying for help. Um, bangs on the door and he's like, Cash is like, oh, okay, sure. All right. He opens the door and a only thing that I can describe it as is a horseman falls out of the Centaur gone wrong, but they're called Equisapiens. They're called Equisapiens. Yes. Um, so it's a very, it's, it's a cross between a human and a horse. Um, so a human with very large muscular features, um, completely naked. I just kept saying, can we, I'm getting really distracted by this horse penis moment. Can we get these fellas some shorts? (laughs) I was getting so distracted. I was like, what is going on? Um, and yeah, they're terrifying is all I'm going to say. So, of course, he's like, he's fucking horrified. Um, and they're all saying, like, we're being treated terribly. Like, help us, help us. And Cash runs out of the door and um, sees our our army hammer um, villain. <laughs> and um, he's like, man, what the, get me the fuck out of here. And he's like, he like pulls out a gun and he's like, listen, this is what's going to happen. You're going to, I'm going to explain. You're going to watch a movie and I'm going to make a proposal. Essentially, um, he watches this movie about um, a claymation short, no less. Yes, a claymation short. He, I love this line where he's like, he's like, watch this. Um, there's a lot of production value that went into this, or something like that. Um, so that is, a, I want to explain that joke real fast. Okay. One, it's just a, it's just the visual joke of like, oh, it's claymation. So, did you see who uh, the director's name was underneath it? No, I didn't catch that. It says Michael Dongri. So Boots Riley is a huge fan of Michel Gondry, the French director, right? Who did Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Like, he works with Kaufman and uh, Spike Jones. They're like all three friends and just like working on each other's shit all the time. Right. So he had done it as an homage to Michel Gondry and had reached out to him to use his name 
as a bit. And Michelle said, absolutely not. And so that pissed off Boots Riley. So he changed his name to Michael Dongry and kept the claymation bit in in any way. Oh, God, that's funny. It's it's like the right kind of petty. Right. That is that is definitely that is definitely petty. So, yeah, that's why he's like a lot of production value went into this. And it's a it's a shitty claymation. And that's the joke. Yeah. Like there's boots is fucking funny is what I'm saying. I love that. And so basically what the what the video explains is that they want to make humans more productive in the workplace. So they're having them snort this um, thing, this stuff, and we get an amazing performance from Lakeith as he slowly starts to realize that he just snorted some something that he, you know, assumed was coke, but now is questioning it, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and... That's the whole purpose of it is to make people more productive so that they turn and stronger so they turn them into like these horse people, equisapiens yeah. as, as they're called in the film. And that's pretty much it. And uh, it's basically it's basically to turn um, these workers into, you know, it's slave labor. And Which they're already doing. Cause are, yeah. yeah, he has worry-free, the company, and you. It's Which like, is like a joke of, on like WeWork and all of these yes. like spaces that are supposed to feel super millennial and positive and stuff. Um, but it's, you know, I'm not saying WeWork is bad. I don't know anything about WeWork. Oh, no, WeWork is terrible. I don't know anything about <laughs> WeWork. But I'm just saying that this is like a parody of that type of environment. Yeah. Um, and Actually, it's a very good version of WeWork because that's more like, well, not the Equisapien, not the science fiction parts of it, but that's totally what happened is it was just parties all the fucking time. And the founder of WeWork is a horrible person. Interesting. I did not. I did not know this. There's a good behind the bastards episode on him. Ah, ah. Well, um, back back to this story. So, so Cassius obviously has a freak out, and the proposal ends up being. He basically says, "Look, I want to turn you into an Equisapien, and you'll be the voice for the Equisapiens, but you'll also be working for me." And he even goes so far to say that he would be the Martin Luther King Jr. of yes. the. So leading up to this, you guys, they've they've had they've they've basically made Cash um, as their entertainment throughout this party. Oh yeah, they make him rap. And so he, you know, gets up here. He's like, I can't do that. It's, it's actually kind of embarrassing. I, you know, and, and obviously they're assuming because of the color of his skin that he can rap and like all of this stuff. So then he just starts, you know, saying the N word to give them the quote unquote exotic experience that they yeah, were looking they really for. Want the, they really want this urban. This kid, urban. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's. Sounds disgusting because it is disgusting, right? It is right? disgusting. Because it is disgusting. So they all, you know, lose their minds over him. They think he's like the best thing ever. Um, and, and they chant it back at him. They yeah. chant it back at him, which just, I mean, talk about being uncomfortable um, with this white audience. So then all of that, you know, leads up to him quite like literally saying the words you can be the Martin Luther King Jr. for these Equisapiens and he's like no like let me out of yeah hundred million dollars for five years but they tell yeah and they tell him that he in five years he can take this antidote or whatever that'll turn him back it's such a bullshit it's not he's like he he even calls it eyes like it sounds like he's made that shit up yeah he says like serum juice or some some (laughs) weird collection of words that doesn't really make sense and he's like sounds like you made that shit up man and then after that they um he's he's like you know absolutely not like get get me the fuck out of here 
Um, and this this whole time he's having conflicts with Detroit because um, Detroit is kind of sticking to her own morals and values and Cash is really not. And they break up. and They yeah. break up. The, you know, there's this whole side plot of that. Um, and then in the end, they get back together. He goes back to work um, or is planning on going back to work at Regal View. That's the company that is the telemarketing. That's the telemarketing company. Mm-hmm. Um, he moves back into his garage um, of his uncle's house, but he's he's got he's got enough money to where he's helped out his friends. He's bought his friend a car as an apology. He's bought his uncle a car. His uncle is able to keep his house. That's the whole reason why Cash is moving up. I should definitely yeah. mention that. His uncle's about to lose his house, and Cash feels really bad because Cash wasn't paying him rent um, because he didn't have money to. So that was kind of the driving force of him really needing money here. Um, at least it was the tip of the iceberg, but anyway, um, so he moves back into the garage and everything. He's closing it, you know, him and Detroit are about to like, you know, have some fun. And, um, they're like, they seem happy. They're kind of like, you know, trying to mend things. And the garage door hits him in the nose as he, um, is closing it. And he's like kind of on the ground, like, ow, ow. And Detroit's like, oh my God, are you okay? And he looks up at her and he has what we can only describe as the beginning of an Equisapien transformation. And that is the end of the film. Until there's a, there's a mid-credit there scene. There is a where, mid-credit well, scene. Well, so they, there's a riot. The Equisapiens save him. Yeah, all that shit happens. There's a little bit where he tries to expose Worry Free and it actually backfires on him. Everybody's like, this is the best thing ever. And then, yeah, uh, the mid-credit scene, uh, he... And the other Equisapiens bust into Lyft's house at Army Hammer's house and just are like, we're here to fuck your shit up. And that's it. Yeah. That's all we get. So, yeah. I guess, so what we usually do is say up top, what's your, uh, where are you standing on horror or nah? As of right now, going about to dive into this conversation, I really don't know. Okay. So you're, you're on the fence. I'm on the fence. I am firmly in the horror camp. So since you're... Not firmly in either camp, and I am. I want to throw you my pitch and see what you think. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Fire away. So, yes, this movie is very funny. Yes, this movie is very uh, clearly like a political satire and like an uh, uh, indictment of the capitalist system, right? And particularly how white capitalists and white billionaires treat... uh, lower classes and particularly lower classes of color. Yes. Right? Um, Because all of our protagonists are black or brown. Yes. So does this movie remind you of another one that we've covered before? Maybe like a year ago or so? John Carpenter, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Keith David. They live? Yeah. This is the same movie. Hmm. And like a real, and as a compliment, right? Like it's obviously not a uh, plagiarism, but it's a, updated critique of the system right mm-hmm. uh, where instead of sort of vague Reaganites as alien intru- alien invaders this is white billionaires exploiting uh, black and brown bodies interesting and it's all seems fine and everybody just lives with it and deals with it until it's exposed right Right. Because that's the whole... Yeah, he's trying to expose everybody and they live. And this is like, okay, so he's trying to expose everybody at Worry Free. I'll have to watch They Live Again. That's that's a very interesting point. Yeah. So 
that's what I that's where I think this is a horror film, right? This is following it. It's almost beat for beat the same movie. Mm-hmm. And again, not in a plagiarism sense, but in terms of like how it approaches the problem and how it approaches its central thesis. Yeah. Which is capitalism bad, people good. Right. 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 Um and let's tear down the system. Um Obviously, there's a lot of racial lines and things like that that we can see but not speak to in as 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 much as we would like to be able to. But that's the that's what's going on in this film. Um, so it's a horror film when you look at it from the perspective of someone who is lower class and who is either not white or not white enough uh, for the capitalist classes. That's why he wear. That's why he uses his white voice. And that's also why he is not treated with the same respect that some of those other actually white callers would be, right? Mm-hmm. Him and Mr. Blank are both treated as subhuman, right? Or at least not as human as the rest of them. Because it's it's implied that all of the white power callers have been to these parties before. And Mr. Blank doesn't get to go until uh, Cassius does. He says, I've never been to one of these parties before, but it's supposed to be off the hook. Like, it's supposed to be completely, like, wild and crazy and amazing. Some of the others have told me about it. Yeah. So that's what it is, right? They, they are the token black friends. Yes. Uh, but they're not friends. They're being used. It's a, it, like the, the rap scene is a minstrel show. And it's horrifying because, again, we're, we're talking. He's talking literally about slavery with Worry Free, right? That's what they're that uh, when they live and eat and work all in the same space. Yeah. That's slight and they're not paid. They sign lifetime contracts under force, like under a uh, uh, threat of physical violence. Yeah. And so you also get some of that L Ron Hubbard Scientology thing in there. Cause they sign like <laughs> thousand year long contracts that track across your lifetimes. <laughs> and that's the idea here too. Right. It's very smart. It's very clever. It's very on the nose, but it, Boots clearly knows he did his research and he knows what's going on. So that's where I think this is a like that's my my pitch for this as a horror film is that when you look at it from the right perspective, same as we said with like Scare Me, right? Mm-hmm. When seen from a particular perspective, it's a hundred percent a horror film. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a very strong pitch, and I think what maybe. I think maybe what distracts people from from calling it a horror film is like the first two thirds of the movie being such a satire and being. Um, I think I think what's what's so great about the the work that the work that you're doing on 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 this podcast on horror or not the the segment of the podcast mm-hmm. is that so many people when they think of horror they think of like. I'm just like, you know, I'm picturing like dark sets, picturing, you know, shit like The Conjuring, picturing, you know, that like dread that people Mm -hmm. build, which there are a lot of movies like that that we have covered uh, and we adore. But I think last week. (laughs) Yeah, literally. And, And the fact that this movie is bright and very surreal and very, very funny, very, you know, in 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 a satirical way and is political commentary I think people people like to, um, and because it doesn't really have any outright scary elements that people can cling on to in the first two thirds of the take movie. That again, outright. Um, 
any outright horror uh, elements in the first two thirds of the movie uh, that people relate to. I think that's why people shy away from calling this a horror film. Mm-hmm. But how so? We we have so many horror films that have that scary twist at the end, right? That yeah. we're not expecting, which is pretty crazy for a surrealist film. You should kind of just be able to expect that anything can happen. But, right, right. But they do such a good job in this movie of laying everything out there for you that you feel familiar. You feel You feel like this plot is familiar to you in a way. Because capitalism is so relatable to pretty much everyone. Yeah. And, and the horrors I mean, to of everyone. it. Yeah. And, yeah. and the horrors of it. So that you feel kind of comfortable in the satire that when that twist happens, it is jarring. Yeah. It is surprising. It is like all of these things. And so um, to finally get to my point, I think that this has that horror element of the whole idea of the movie is horrifying, which we've said, you know, horrifying is different than horror for sure. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's the point that we should argue in a minute. Yeah. But the whole idea of the movie is horrifying and it is relatable as a whole, right? We all participate in capitalism. We have to. Um, And, and then you have, the visceral horror in the back third of the movie, the horror that we're used to, um, that as horror lovers feels visceral yet familiar to us, where you have uh, fantasy elements in there and then you also have... You're scared for the person you've been rooting for this entire time. And you put yourself in his shoes of like, damn, he just made a mistake that might be irreversible. um, That could alter literally his entire life. And, you know, he can't take that back. How many times have you been out and like someone has just handed you a shot? Like at a bar, just handed you a shot and you've just been like, cheers. Sure, yeah. Like, what the fuck? You know, he, he, so you can easily put yourself in his shoes, right? Um, and I'm, I'm, going, I'm going very safe by saying someone handing you a shot. I'm sure people yeah. have, you know, people have done crazier shit. So, um, but that might be the most relatable. You know, how many mm-hmm. times have you just let someone, like, you know, hand you a drink? You don't yeah, know what's in yeah, that? Yeah, a you bunch of times. Like, come on, man. And so you can definitely, everyone can relate to that um, for the most part. And so when that settles at the same time that it does for cash, mm-hmm. ooh, it, that's where it, it almost it, gets yeah, psychological. It hits and lands, yeah. It almost gets psychological because so you're rooting for cash this whole time, right? He. Yes, he is a little bit of a sellout, but you understand why. He can't because the system has been set up, and this is so real. The system has been set up where he cannot stick to his morals and values and also make a living to actually pay for his life. Boom. He has to choose between the two, and that's the overarc, the overarching, um, overarching, uh, um, <laughs> I can't talk, um. And that is the horrifying arc 
over this entire storyline. Yes. That the system is so broken that people cannot stick to their own morals and feel good about their decisions mm-hmm. and also pay for their life to, you know, stay afloat afloat even yeah. to maintain the roof over their head and food in their stomachs. yeah to have a, even a living wage yeah so that's the uh, and then you get into all of the little beats and the big twist at the end so that's why i am leaning more towards horror yeah and yes this is uh, the satire shouldn't take away from it being a horror movie right mm-hmm um, really the only reason I'm questioning it is because after we watched it and did that research, nobody has really claimed it to be a horror film. Right. Um, after doing extensive research. So really I'm just, I'm being devil's advocate to myself because again, I'm the <laughs> right. one who looked at it and said, oh yeah, definitely. That's a horror film. We should cover it. Yeah. 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 Um, so now I'm, I'm kind of just playing devil's advocate, but with my own self. Um, and I can put a mirror up if you need it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And, uh, so the the only, the only times that people have compared it to horror was people were, people were comparing it to get out, which I don't agree with. I understand the comparison. It's not the same. So, so sorry to bother you and get out are similar in the way that everyone left the theater dumbfounded at how good it was yes, and just wanting more. Mm-hmm. And also it was a display of black excellence. Yep. It, the comparison stops there. Yes. You know, like it's, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, they're both amazing in their own right. I'm not saying it, one is yeah, lesser than no, the other, the, but, but the, the comparison, comparison stops yeah. there. Yeah. The similarities are surface level only. Yes. Um, and so like plot twist in the third act which okay so it's a film <laughs> yeah 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 exactly exactly that's a that's that's a very common it's about white um, people exploiting black people oh, yes yeah, yes yeah correct congratulations like it's so surface <laughs> to make that comparison yeah and and then you know um in an interview with Lakeith, he was like, he was talking about when he first saw the Equisapiens because he was like, you know, like I read the script and I was like, oh man, that's like really, you know, weird and, you know, mm-hmm. like first impressions. And then he was like, then he, he saw sketches of it and he was like, oh shit, they're going to look like that. Okay. <laughs> and then he saw them like on set because they're, they're uh, mostly practical. They're mostly yeah. practical. Um, which is really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just like, yeah, I was genuinely scared. So the, he kind of, you know, mentioned like, oh shit, there's like horror elements to this movie. Right. Um, and that's really, that's really the only two instances that I've heard people, um, referencing the horror genre in alignment with Sorry to Bother You. Um, but... I don't know. We watch a lot of these movies. We watch a lot, a lot of horror movies. And the fact that we both, without question, were like, yeah, we should cover that as a regular, you know, episode in our standard format where we discuss horror movies as horror movies. Kind of, I I think that in a way speaks volumes to what the content of this movie is actually getting at. And again, I agree with you when you say there, there are certainly... We both hold certain levels of privilege in this world, right? We both walk with a certain level of privilege and we recognize that. So there are elements to this movie that we cannot even understand. Or Um, even not in the way that we could. 
Yeah, exactly. We will never understand some of the elements in this movie. And that is, you know, that's just the way that it is. And so the and then and then on top of that, the fact that we recognize that this entire, you know, again, the the over art story is so horrifying already. Right. If you were to deepen that experience, I can only imagine that it's just like, yeah, that's that's fucking real. Yeah. I agree with you completely. You know, um, so I, yeah, I mean, I think that this movie is so fun because you don't know, you don't know what's coming. The, okay. Yeah, so this, no, you and I were in the theater God. four years ago and just sitting there like, cause it was advertised as like quirky Michelle Gondry inspired. Yeah. Uh, first feature film from Boots Riley and like oh okay cool weird comedy with uh like political satire cool down I'm I'm down I'm down for this right like yeah that's a, I remember seeing the trailer for it actually yeah I texted I it to you yeah um and I saw it in film in, in film in in theaters actually the the trailer I remember right. seeing it and I remember the main scene that was in the trailer was um um Danny Glover saying to Lakeith, like, you have to use your white voice. Like, that whole scene, that conversation was, like, the main scene in the trailer. And I remember yeah. being like, oh, like, that that looks like a funny, quirky, you know, um, uh, political satire. Like, that's that's what it advertised as. So when, when that happened, I remember you, I think you and I were in shock. I don't remember that moment. I do not remember Just that moment. Out. Just blacked <laughs> out. Because it... No, my jaw was on the goddamn floor. I mean, so, so the story, the storytellers, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, that, like, everyone on, on set, everyone on set gained our trust <laughs> and then betrayed it. <laughs> Because they all did such a great job of of tricking us into thinking that this movie was one thing. Um, they were all on the same page, which it's like Blair Witch in that way, where everybody's like, "Oh, this is real," do. and then it's like, "Oh yes. no, it's fucking not." <laughs> and so, so, and I'm gonna get a little bit analytical here because I was prepared to do this episode as sure. a straightforward episode, so. They make it super straightforward so that you can follow it. The main character's name is literally Cassius Green. And even makes the joke. She's like, uh, Tessa Thompson, Detroit asked him something and he's like, is Cash Green? Yes, exactly. And we have this very straightforward, almost heavy-handed Oh, it's very heavy-handed, but it works. satire where you're just like, yep, I get it, I get it. But it's still funny, it's still engaging, it's making you laugh and everything. And so you're just like, okay, this is what, you know, this is where this movie's gonna go, and, you know, this is just what it's gonna be. And then you go to the party, and you get fucked up, just like Cassius gets yep. fucked up. And you are like, damn, this is so... This is so good, but I'm also so angry because I thought this movie was going to be one thing and now it's another <laughs> thing. And once you grieve that, you're like, fuck, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I knew I was going to like this movie no matter how it ended. But what the fuck? You yeah. know, it, it's. it's I, I honestly, I can't really I can't really sing its praises enough because down to the script 
it continues to relate um, capitalism and masculinity mm-hmm. and how fragile both things are and how they have to have power to operate Yeah, at the level that they do. Especially even in our protagonist who we root for, Cash, when he asks um, Detroit, he doesn't ask, and it's called out in the movie too. He doesn't ask when he thinks he's turning into a, you know, a, an Equisapien. He doesn't ask about his nostrils. He asks about his dick. Yep. You want to know why? <laughs> well, and yeah, Army Hammer <laughs> uses that as a selling point when he's making yes. his speech. He goes, and I can't emphasize this enough: horse cock. Again, that's another like that's Boots putting in very specific racial uh, stereotypes there yes. of black men having large members. And that's why they're showing, like he said, like that's why they're on screen all the time. Like I, yeah. I could not have made it more obvious yeah. as to why I put a bunch of long-dicked horsemen on naked on screen a bunch. It's because of the way they see us. It's the animalization, yeah. like yeah. the dehumanization, and that's the thing, right? Yeah. Not absolutely. even saying it's a big dick, saying horse cock, right? Oh my God, and it's yeah. that dehumanization, the internalized racism, all of that stuff's going on. That it's all amazing. Yeah. So. That's a fantastic point, and I love that, that relating capitalism masculinity because it is yeah patriarchal bullshit. Mm-hmm. So let's we should move into our last section. I don't want to run too long here. Um, what does this mean for the genre at large? Then, if this is a horror film, which we I think now both agree that it is, at least like it's a borderline film still to me. I'm not going to say it's fully in the horror camp. It's probably on like you know, it's in a weird section of the tent. I think it's a movie that you can show someone who's not into horror and they'll they'll certainly still enjoy it, but um, I think that I think that being a horror fan though, if you watch this movie, you will have a deeper appreciation for this movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, as a horror fan, you'll see elements that you'll recognize. Yeah, because we didn't and, even get to appreciate. the structural. We didn't even get to really too into the structural aspects of it. Although you did kind of hit like the nail on the head with the one act structure, like one, two, three. Yeah. One and two, you're like, this isn't a horror film. Three, you go, oh fuck, this is a horror film. Um, yeah, and everything's exposed, right? Yes. Everything's exposed, and you kind of the movie doesn't do this, but you kind of do one of those things where you're like, how did we get here? Rewind, and then <laughs> you realize how horrifying the entire movie has actually been. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at it in reverse, you go, oh shit, okay, so this is a horror film. Mm-hmm. So let's see, if where's it hanging out in the camp? It's definitely hanging out with They Live. Do we think it's hanging out with Eraserhead? If Eraserhead... Um I mean, I think the only thing it really has um, in common with Eraserhead is like the um, the fantastical effects, the surrealist, the, the surrealism. Because um, I want to put it in like Eraserhead's the, so specific, though. Yeah, it's often its own. It's it. It's in its own. Uh, it's just smoking cigarettes and drinking black coffee and refusing to explain itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazing film that we've already covered, but fuck that movie's so weird. Um, in the best way, but yeah. So I I want to say that it's it's hanging out in the surrealist satire definitely, area because definitely. I would say that even though they live is very straightforward as a satire, yeah, it has surrealist elements to it. Right. Um, even though I would never call Carpenter a surrealist filmmaker, nor would I call They Live a surrealist film. No, but They Live is definitely in some some form of 
like an elevated it's elevated in a way that makes it feel a little bit surreal yes so it's playing with it yeah i agree it's flirting with but it's it's if john carpenter did surrealism which is impossible because there's no fucking way he could he's just such a he's such a transparent filmmaker that he can't do surrealism yeah if there's one thing he can't do it's that yeah so it's kind of like him yeah flirting with that idea because yeah they live is definitely elevated and and toys with kind of you know uh, surrealism but yeah i would never consider john carpenter a surrealist (laughs) i think it's literally impossible for him to be one right (laughs) the most straightforward man to have ever lived um but yeah i i that's that's kind of what i want to say is that like i because we i i whenever i say the big 10 i actually do visualize like a party right yeah where there's all these people hanging out like if you have like an outdoor wedding right and everybody's in the tent outside yeah and like what groups are hanging out you know or like wh- wh- who's who's assigned at whose table exactly yeah and that's that's kind of what i that's how i think about it so i, I do literally visualize it whenever i say that because that's the way my brain works um, but that's what I think. I think it's, I mean, it's obviously hanging out with They Live. I don't know who else is in that camp, though. I don't know who else is at that table. Maybe we'll find some more, but. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's, it's still to be discovered. So I think maybe like the cell is also hanging out at that table. Right. You know, um, definitely in the weird horror elements. It's more explicitly horror, but it's also more of a crime drama than it is a horror film. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And this is almost, I mean, I always feel like surrealism uh, borderlines on camp. Camp is definitely still its like own thing. Um, but surrealism definitely can borderline on that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think it's, and I think it's okay if it sits at its own table as well. Um, because that, this has definitely expanded the genre in a way that we've had, we've obviously had allegorical films, mm-hmm. right? Oh, obviously. plenty, yeah. Plenty. We've had... Most of them. <laughs> we've had um, political conversations through horror films, right? Like in political satire right. in horror films. We've had physical manifestations of horrific actions. Yeah. Thus being the Equisapiens in this, right? Mm-hmm. And... This movie ties all of those things together in a way that I don't... I can't really name another horror film that's done that. Um, Not to this successful of a degree. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so I think really the last thing that I want to say about this movie... Um, and then I will stop my senseless rambling about it because <laughs> you're literally like you're literally hearing my process here because I was expecting to do an analytical <laughs> on this movie and instead I had to like really dig deep and think if this is a horror film or not. So I apologize for my ADHD ranting. <laughs> um, but one last thing I want to say about this movie is that it does such a great job of presenting conflict in an undercurrent and also presenting it in a very obvious way because you've got detroit who again is the definition of struggle for your art anti-capitalist like she is just happy to have the bare minimum as long as she can do her art that's all she fucking cares about yeah right which is great um and then you've got the conflict between her and cash who again doesn't want to be doing these things anyway but he cannot stick to his morals and his values without 
without his uncle losing the home without yeah. you know he he calls his car a bucket you know like he <laughs> he can't he can't pay to even have the bare minimum he has to because the system is so broken he has to stoop to this level of you know um gross capitalism like all of this all of this shit and um, that creates a conflict within them, and then there's a conflict within him and and his friends. And he also, he, Lakeith does such a great job of this character, who's very like he's quirky, he's awkward. He even he even walks kind of funny. <laughs> like he, he shuffles with he his shoulders slumped. Yeah, he, you can you can tell how he feels about himself by he the way he worries about he the walks. sun exploding. Yeah, so he like. He's finally feeling like he's good at something as well. Yeah, he feels like he belongs someplace. Yes, and so there's this internal conflict as well within... So there's just a lot of conflict that keeps you engaged in this movie without even the surrealism and without all of the stuff that leads you up to this insane moment of, oh, shit. Yeah. So this movie just all around is really well done. We talk about a movie where people show up and just do their fucking job and they're all on the same page and That's this. they know what movie they're in. Even if this is a really confusing movie to be in, they all know exactly what movie they're in. And this is an, a perfect example of that. Everyone showed up, did their fucking job. Mm-hmm. And that I mean, I cannot recommend this movie enough. Yeah. As for like yeah, how it contributes to the genre for me, I'm I'm excited to that it, what it does is it carves out a new space, right? It for sure does. Um, something that we've it or at least makes its own stamp on a space already carved, right? Because I do think that they live carved this space first a, in this in this particular way, but it did a little it did its own put, thing. Put a too. crack in the mold. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Recut a mold or something like that. Like it's it's a similar shape. It's a recognizable shape, but it's not the same one anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really appreciate that. I love a movie that leaves a mark on the genre and creates a new space for someone to either fit into or work on their own. You know, this, and I think that that's that's why I say like Gondry and Carpenter being the biggest influences on this film. I don't know that I didn't see anything about Boots Riley saying it was explicitly like a big Carpenter fan, but I can't imagine that he's not. Right. Um, just again, because it's the similarities are so strong with They Live. I yeah. keep saying that over and over, and I'm sorry for sounding like a broken record, but here we are. No, that's a really strong and interesting point. I think that's not something I I think I could have come to on my own. I think that's I, I need to watch that movie again. Yeah. Yeah. But it's um, yeah. I I love that it's carved a new space, and that's when I that's my favorite ones to do on here for horror and awe is like what what space did you make and why and that's the interesting questions when it comes to that for me you know well yeah what why and how are just like so cool to me in that moment yeah and this this one was particularly interesting because it is so borderline it really is it really really is i could i if someone came in here and argued like it's totally not a horror film i probably would be like yeah you're right (laughs) yeah i i would i am happy to hear i'm happy to hear arguments to the contrary that's why we do this show like we always cover things that are like maybe yeah it's really fun to talk about something that is so borderline and and this is a um this again was a very rare occurrence where 
it was reversed on us where, where we both were just like, yeah, let's totally cover that. We'll analyze it, all this stuff. It was totally a horror film. Yep, yep. And then we look at what it's actually listed as and we were like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I th- I don't know. I, if you have any thoughts, uh, send us some DMs. I'm so, I'm so interested to hear what you guys have to say about this movie as well. Yeah, I'm down for it. Yeah. Um, since you're so good at it, do you just want to close us out? Yeah, for old time's sake. <laughs> do it every week. <laughs> so, so you guys know where to find us. We're on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We're on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. And we have a website, horrorbabespod.com. If you're enjoying this uh, little podcast of ours, give us a rating, a review on iTunes if you feel so inclined. And until next time, bye, bye babes. babes.